0: good morning good morning good morning it is office hours today with M and dm and we are here that's michael and david Meltzer, and we are here with a friend from the past president and ceo at a line performance institute the incredible dr alok Trivedi and he has the Trivedi process uh aptly named of course in the Trivedi effect <laughs> welcome to office hours uh doc
1: well thanks for having me guys appreciate it
0: Come oh down no down. we we appreciate it and uh what a great way to start uh, the show, because you uh, are working in the realm that Mike and I spend most of our mindset, hard set, and handset in, and you've done it for three decades as a student uh, and understanding the science of success. Uh, and within the context of that uh, are some aspects of being fulfilled, of how human nature, human behavior, I believe, never changes. And... Um, your behavior modification system is well known uh, as the Trevetti. I'm hoping pronouncing that correctly, Nailed it. process. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. I did. And what what really intrigued Mike and I is that you apply this to our favorite uh, skill, which is sales. And a lot of people don't take behavior, fulfillment, and success and apply it to what a lot of people look at is a very, you know, pragmatic systematic way of providing value. Uh, how have you married uh, the Trevetti process into actually sales and sales teams performances?
2: You lose there, you there? Up. there you go. Oh,
0: there you are. Yeah. I was just saying how, how do you reconcile the Trevetti process into the high performance cultures, into sales specifically, not just into general human behavior.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and sales is such a, you know, sales psychology is such an important factor for every, for all industries. And if we think about it, right, like most salespeople, they function on a system of really getting super excited or super charged up, or they have to function on always being excited and always being on. But the truth is, is that nobody's always on. Right. And, but they, they have to force themselves and they get anchored into this dopamine cycle and always wanting to do more and more and more and more and more. But the reality is that they burn out. That's why every industry, every company I've ever worked with, they get to this point where they burn out with salespeople. And it's like you just keep churning salespeople. Instead of functioning from a system of more, what I've created a system for salespeople especially is to function from a state of gratitude. And what I mean by that is really becoming grateful for the sale and rewiring that process instead of wanting more, because we know that when you ha- get super high on sales, you're going to have a great month, but then you're going to follow it with a low month. And we know statistically that every salesperson is going to have their own average, right? When you work at Fortune 500 companies, what they're doing is they're functioning on their average. They're taking the average and trying to move the average needle uh, a little bit at a time. But the, I would call it the immature salesperson says, I got to beat my record every single month. And that's just not realistic. In any capacity. So what I've done is created the system to be able to help people. When I work with them, is to rewire it so that they're functioning from a state much more of gratitude and um, balance as they're selling, so they don't get caught up in the cycle and then go super high and super low and super high and super low. For a business, I mean, especially a small business like mine or any of the, like, of the small businesses, like I mean, that's essential. You get salespeople are super excited. They get a great month. They have a low month. There's no statistic or no stability on cash flow.
2: Mm, that is the truth. Doctor, good morning. Hey, good morning. To, to uh, look at you, the the title of uh, what you created, Chasing Success, Lessons in Aligned Performance, which is fantastic. S- kind of zooming out on that, what is, after and you've studied it more than most people, three decades in the science of success, what is the definition or what is your understanding of success what is it that we're all chasing
1: yeah it's a great question you know i grew up in the in toronto canada in an east indian family right and so it's like i I grew up in this dichotomy of world of the east and the west and i realized that if you go to the east you know they they we talk about this idea of chasing and nirvana and meditation and peace but i realized that they're always chasing as well they're chasing the next feeling And they're chasing entitlement, or excuse me, enlightenment. And on the West, I found people were chasing materialism. So what I found is that you can't have one or the other. If we look at it from a much more macro scale, it wasn't about chasing matter. It wasn't chasing about the spirit, in essence. What I found is that true fulfillment is when you can merge the spirit and the matter, where you could actually understand that you are in a world where you have matter and you can be grateful for the matter that you have with the spirit that you're in. So it's it's matter of fulfillment to me is being grateful not to not want more. That's the Here's the thing, is that most people think that gratitude is just being grateful for what you have, and that's it. But I think that's a mistake. So I say be happily dissatisfied so that you always are doing more in the world. And at the same token, be grateful for what you do have so that you can have more of that as well. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, we align in that world of more than enough, a value-add world, not a zero-sum game. Um, And you've shared many stages uh, that you know, I step on, Mike steps on, but the wide range of people is what intrigues me. You know, from Bob Proctor who passed this year, who's one of my closest mentors. Brian Tracy as well sits on uh, the Junior Achievement Chancellor, um, the Chief Chancellor of Junior Achievement, and you know, down in San Diego, we do a lot together. Uh, but you know, Don Yeager and Grant Cardone, everyone has similar. Uh, perspectives in the sales performance side of things and they have their own differing opinions what differentiates you from that range uh, uh, that i for mentioned uh, that just mentioned in the Trevetti process itself what what's the the difference that you see that compared to proctor or tracy or cardone that you're utilizing that gives you the exponential results that you've enjoyed across the world
1: I think there's two things, Dave. It's such a great question. Thank you for that. Uh, there's two things I, I think. One is that um, everything I'm doing is neurologically based, so it's 100 percent based on science, right? And I, I mean no disrespect to my four, you know, the the, the aforementioned people or any of the mentors. Don't worry,
0: they people. they didn't mean to insult you either when I asked the same question <laughs> of you. I'm
1: so. good. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah,
0: we're all we're all teaching. We're all trying to help people.
1: <laughs> this is it, right? And um, what what I found is that for me. I was struggling, didn't know how to do it myself. And I, everyone has what works for them, but I wanted to create a system that would take every person in any scenario to be able to get them to a state of gratitude. And if I can get them to a state of gratitude, no matter what, then we can rewire literally anything on the planet and we can. And so I think one of the differentiating factors and probably the key is that it's neurologically based inside of it and it's connecting the mind body. Number one, number two, though, I would say that, you know, the And probably in performance, I'm not trying to get people to perform like somebody else. I'm trying to get them to perform the best of themselves. And a lot of people, have, I've said this for many years, is that there's a lot of people who will teach you how to think. I'm not that guy. I will teach you why you think the way that you do so that you can rewire that so you can think more along of who you are and be more of yourself. That's really what I do.
0: Can you repeat that last sentence? Because I think, you know, we talk about meeting people where they're at and understanding what they're listening for. And I really, really support this methodology. Repeat what you just said, that different Because that, to me, puts you above and beyond understanding how the genetic and energetic inheritance that we receive works. And, you know, why fight that? Why not work with it? So please repeat that again, because people do rewatch this. And I want them yeah. to have time to get their pens and paper or pads out so they can get this.
1: No, I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of people in the world that will teach you how to think, right? I don't do that. I teach you why you think the way that you do, because when you understand that, that's the journey and really how you master yourself so that you can be more of yourself rather than trying to be someone else.
0: Boom. That's the nugget. Good. That's
1: awesome. <laughs>
2: So, so, doctor, in doing that, do we, when we have to look at ourselves and find that you know, f- that self discovery or that self awareness moment of where we really are, is that that's obviously the starting point? But how do you figure out how long or in what ways you have to work with people in order to get them where they want to be? I, I'm imagining that most people are at very different places when you come come to the first experience with them.
1: Yeah. So for me, I mean, it depends on where, where people want to go, right? People can come and say, Hey, look, I've got this, like, can I work with athletes? It's like, all right, I got this major thing. I can't perform more. I can't, you know, I can't swing the bat. I can't hit the ball. I can't swing a golf club. How do I rewire that? So I work with that. And that's all they want sometimes. Whereas, you know, other people really want to rewire and master all areas of their life. So they can be completely fulfilled. And that's really where I've created the science of fulfillment, where you take all areas of your life and master all of them. Um, I can get that done. If people are really willing to work and I teach people how to do it within six to eight months, someone can rewire their entire life and, and not obje- uh, subjectively, objectively get to a place of fulfillment in their life. Right now I'm running a study um, where we're testing and showing the the neurologic processes and checking the neurotransmitters. And we're showing and we've all, I've always known this, but we're actually running a study behind it. We're showing that the serotonin levels when people rewire their brains actually goes up. And so when we rewire the serotonin, rewire the brain, the serotonin goes up. That's a key factor for mental health because that's the number one reason of definition or excuse me, definition of depression is a low amount of serotonin. The dopamine becomes rebalanced. The, the neurotransmitter of ACTH becomes balanced. The GABA transmitters become balanced. When we're rewiring all this, all these neurotransmitters are the things that are controlling our hormones and our body. So how we feel is determined by what our wiring is. So if we're doing that, then we can actually create better health, better fulfillment, better energy, and and live a truly healthier, more longevity life.
0: And I'm going to spin this a little for just a selfish uh, reason. uh, (laughs) Being in sales for, for a long time, one of the key resistance... Uh, behaviors of a lot of salespeople as well, that ties into what you're teaching is the emotional attachment to the outcome. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we try, you know, I would say the interval of time is defined by cause and effect or cause and outcome. Well, that's never more prevalent than when you're paid off a percentage of profit cause outcome, attach the emotions to an outcome that's going to pay you. We actually create resistance and make it more difficult. Within the context of your process, how does it help people to put their attention, intention, emotion into the cause so that they perform better? Uh, Which is true with athletes and, of course, salespeople, which are two of your specialties in performance.
1: I love that question. You're absolutely right. Like everyone attaches to the outcome, and that's the mistake, right? That's where I come up with the idea of chasing success. That's the whole book is about, right? It's it's a story about chasing success. But really, I don't want you to attach onto the outcome. So what I've done is, you know, most people sit and say, "Meditate, let go." That's a very difficult thing to to do. How do you let go? You let go. How do you do that? You let go. <laughs> it's a difficult <laughs> thing to actually do. So what I've done is actually through this these questioning process and the Charity process, what I do is I actually detach the actual attachment to that the outcome, and I don't want it on the in, inception either. I want it to in the state of the being. I want it in the state of doing and being so that they're present. So that's what that process does. It detaches the emotions neurologically and neurochemically so that they're not stuck on the outcome.
2: Doctor, it sounds to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me a a lot of what you do is focused on deconstructing or eliminating the ego. Um, in many ways that, you know, obviously wired into our DNA to help us. But if it becomes too strong, it, it, it hinders a lot of what we want to do. How much of that uh, is impacted or, or do you work on in helping people get to where they need to be and helping them? Because that's, I think, again, you know, helping people find those vulnerabilities so that they can grow is part of that process, isn't it?
1: It is. And, you know, the ego, for me, at least the way that I define it, um, most people think that the ego is a bad thing. Um, and, I, and I don't necessarily see it that way. The ego is a necessary thing, right? Like if we look at it, the ego is the part of yourself that is actually survival. If we look at Freudian's work, right, that's the survival the decision-making and, and the survival state of the mind. It's the super ego that Freud used to talk about is that I'm interested in eliminating, right? So detaching from that super ego where you're injecting other people's ideas of your life, and that's what I'm really interested in. I want you to actually have an ego so that you survive and thrive, but at the same token, I like to say that happily dissatisfied so that you're always doing more for the world and helping it evolve inside of it. But you need to see a challenge inside of that so that you go do something.
0: Yeah, Amazing work. Uh, the Trivedi process, extremely successful over three years of experience and research on the science of success, fulfillment, and of course, human behavior. If you want to make a lot of money and help a lot of people and have a lot of fun, if you want to pursue your potential and enjoy that pursuit, you got to check out uh, the Trevetti process. Go to TrevettiEffect.com. Doctor, thank you so much. <clears throat> Please come back and join us. As <clears throat> soon as I get rid of this frog, uh, come back and join <laughs> us again. We have so many different shows. I would love to share that perspective. And thank you, especially for the golden nugget uh, that I'm going to go back and make sure – uh, that that I study that aspect. I, lo- I love the way you put it. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you soon.
1: Thanks, Dr. Thank doctor. you guys so much. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Take care. Awesome. Well, we start out with a bang and uh, here we go. Rami is in the waiting room. We'll bring him on. Good morning. We have Rami Elagil and he's the founder of, once again, People Processes, uh, HR, the popularfinancial.com or People Process. Dot com and he has a book. People processes and how people can <clears throat> excuse me uh, can be or, your organization's competitive advantage. Well, I could not be in more of an agreement about the power of the people when it comes to uh, any company uh, as a competitive advantage. And we were tying into uh, this idea of the Trevetti effect of being able to just understand why. Uh, we think a certain way instead of getting you to think a certain way. Um, And you uh, really address it in a different way by looking at the technology um, and understanding operationally uh, how in your number one bestseller, you know, uh, these critical business issue today from the great resignation to the great rehiring that we're going through of recruitment retention, uh, which I think gives us the engagement that we need to be successful as a business, which I think is the biggest competitive advantage. You know, what is your step-by-step understanding of how we can increase that retention and, and also recruitment today uh, to get that competitive advantage of engagement?
3: Sure. Well, David, thanks for the time. When you talk about the problems facing, you know, having employees and those sorts of issues, um, HR is a old, often completely outdated, uh, cover your butt, you know, paperwork driven. I knew I knew you weren't going to
0: swear because the way you're wearing that shirt with that white thing, it looks like you're a priest.
3: Uh, uh, Oh, oh wow, oh man, I'm in trouble. I grabbed my mic and I realized I only had a white one and I was wearing a black shirt. I'm not a priest.
0: Okay, no, neither am I, but.
3: (laughs) Well, yeah, David. So, so, you know, there's, there's a quote from Atomic Habits, uh, you know, huge bestseller book, right? James Clear. uh, Yeah. James Clear. You, you don't rise to your goal, you fall to your systems, right? And HR is one of those places that has what are very obvious goals, but are very rarely achieved, right? Your job is to increase the return on investment in labor, whether that means mitigating risk, because hey, you know, employment's a pretty fraught uh, uh, legal area, uh, or the better way, or the, the the kind of longer-term goal is that every dollar you're spending on labor is getting you a better-skilled, more loyal, uh, uh, better-deciding dec- employee as part of your organization. HR should be focusing on that. And that's what uh, my book, or or what People Processes in general, we focus on doing. Our kind of guiding thing is constantly looking at, from a systematic perspective, what are we investing, what are we doing in terms of time and technology and uh, money, and what is the outcome and is it measurable? Most HR processes don't follow that sort of model. So when you're thinking about recruiting, um, you've got a bunch of different variables, from from an input perspective. You've got the design of the job itself, the advertisement of the job, the actual description or the the things that will need to be done in the job itself, which includes skills and competencies necessary to accomplish the job, your interview process, your offer letter, your pre-onboarding, which is like background checks and skills testing, and onboarding. All of those pieces, which are just off the top of my head, the key components of recruiting, each one of those can be adjusted and uh, improved upon one piece at a time systematically. And you wind up with an incredibly more effective recruiting process at the end. Most companies think, I need better recruiting. So they just kind of throw a broad, oh man, I sure wish we could recruit better. Maybe we need to pay people more, right? Maybe we need to hire an outside recruiter but you're not developing those systems internally that allow you to improve those things over time. Everyone knows in operations, you were talking about sales a minute ago, but in operations, right, the way you actually deliver your product or service requires a standard operating procedure, and any improvements in that process means you can deliver your product, create your product, deliver your service for less than your competition, more effectively, more consistently, with fewer returns. Operations knows it. Sales, you go out there, you know you need a marketing process. You've got to actually, how do you get the leads? How do you qualify them? <laughs> Once they're actually talking with you, you have a sales process of discovery, of qualification, of, of answering objections, of closing, of delivering. And then in HR, we, we have broad swaths of things we're supposed to do without strong processes. So we apply those, uh, that process methodology to the HR world.
2: All fantastic things. Good morning, Rami. W- where does everything that you do fit in with regard to the size of the business? Is this for the s- smaller businesses, mid-sized, larger, and and how effective is it based on some of that?
3: Well, you know, as a as a business owner, I of course want to be able to serve anyone, right? Uh, the way we do that primarily is that we have I have my book, which is useful for small business owners. Um, boards of directors maybe it's not an it's not an HR expert level textbook that's what I wrote my editor chopped it down to about 120 pages of great anecdotes right (laughs) I gave him 400 pages and I was like this is it and they were like do you want a textbook I was like no so they cut it down great intro if you're true yeah yeah you need more stories Rami. I'm like no I need more charts (laughs) but that's that's me but they um, uh, but anyway it's 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 a great book for someone who's maybe grown into the HR role. I see that a lot, right? You start off opening mail and ordering office supplies, and somehow, 10 years later, you're in charge of hiring and firing for a 50-person organization. It happens all the time. Um, Or for new executives who are trying to convince, or or new uh, HR leaders or executives who are trying to solicit additional investment on the people side, because it lays out the key components of all that. Beyond the book, I have an academy. It's, it's got courses on there, a 12-week overhaul. Great for uh, people who want to dive in deep into HR and figure those things out. Um, it walks you through step-by-step how to apply it to your own business. I see a lot of small business owners, 5 to 20 employees, take that. Starting around 20 employees is where our company services start. 20 to uh, we have, our largest client has about 800 employees. And we uh, we actually serve as either their HR department or as a large portion of their HR department. Uh, so my, my company itself is the HR department for about a hundred other companies. That's my primary business.
0: And in that business, you know, it's interesting because there's a saying that I think is applicable to your book and your process, uh, which is don't get so busy working. You forget to make money. And, <laughs> and, you know, I think a lot of people go through the motions and beyond this idea of recruitment and retain retention is the idea of, focusing in and on and prioritizing through people, what needs to be done that is, you know, creating abundance and creating value, which then creates profit. Uh, exactly. What are some of the things, cause you work with hundreds of companies uh, that you're, you know, that your outsource process allows people to then focus in on not just getting so busy, but actually creating profit.
3: Well, labor is in most businesses, Their most significant uh, expense and yet they often have uh, significantly underdeveloped uh, relatively easy things that can extend how far that labor budget goes Um, it would be like someone who spends 30% of their budget on marketing right but they never optimize their ads they never uh, bring somebody in to look over what they're doing they never try new avenues uh, to determine if this is a good spend from a, you know, an accurate perspective. What we find when we come in most of the time is that, uh, let's say it's like a 50-person company, which is kind of like right in our sweet spot, 50 to 100. And um, what you'll often find is that there's a lot of low-hanging fruit, just like anything else, right? There's easy technologies to implement to automate a lot of pieces, save a lot of labor time. But perhaps most importantly, by automating, you're systematizing which allows you to create improvements over time. Uh, we often see huge uh, uh, over time investment, but under financial investment in the HR side. So for example, onboarding, right? Let's say you are a, a 70, 50-person 50, 50 company and you're turning over 15 people a year, about 30%, which is below average, right? In 2021, Uh, 60% of employees uh, in a professional organization turned over. It's a high number. Let's say 15 people are turning over. If you can, uh, say for example, uh, hire a good company to come out and create a video walking through this year's company mission, vision, values, goals, right? Um, At a company level, all the new employees can watch that. Of course, it can be used for other items too. And you've started to align these new employees with your overall goals. Perhaps most importantly, you've done it exactly the same for all 15. right? And that's more important than um, you know, having their manager tell them about it. Different managers tell different employees about it at different times of the year, depending on how busy they are. Uh, so you've created a consistent process that can be improved. Uh, in onboarding, you want to introduce them to the company, you want to introduce them to the department, you want to introduce them to their job. And, and those are kind of the basic steps on that. Um, and each one of those can be improved upon significantly with minimal investment. I've got a small business, dude just brings out a cell phone, records a video and is like, you're a new bookkeeper. Here's what I need from my bookkeeper. Here's what will piss me off. If you're my bookkeeper, this is how you can succeed and I can't wait to see it how, how you do in a year or two, what I love is this. Boom, now every bookkeeper he brings on is getting that same message, and he can improve it later. Once they have those pieces automated, you start seeing things that can be easily uh, improved on your next cycle through, right? So if you're starting at recruiting and job design, job analysis, uh, and then you're working on onboarding, then you're working on performance management, and then maybe compensation or benefits design, as kind of different key pieces. When you get done with those, we have about 10 of those. You start back over at the beginning. You look at the process that you put in place and you improve them again. Beautiful.
2: Rami, with regard to that process and, and utilizing everything that you do through it, um, what's, the, what's the life cycle of that? How long does it take to get up to speed and on plane so that we can say, wow, we're really seeing a, an incredible effect here, a result of this. We're really happy. Rami, thank you for this.
3: Oh, well, it depends, it depends on the client and the industry and all sorts of things, right? Um, I mean, we have a 300-person client that does hair. It's a hair salon, right? They're, 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 well, there are like 28 hair salons, um, uh, 28 locations. They turn over, you know, before, before we came on, they had to hire 550 people a year to fill those 300 jobs. Totally normal. Well, one year in, we were able to see that we, were able to, we only needed to hire 280 people to fill those 300 jobs. So that cut their turnover almost in half. Amazing. Um, So that alone is a huge ROI. You wind up with um, pieces there. But also when you're hiring that many people, you're able to iterate very quickly, right? You're able to see what you're recruiting for, see how you qualify people, bring them on, test them, teach them, and see what happens. On the other hand, I have a 110-person law firm. They hire like eight people a year. The average age in that place is like 68, man. They've been around forever. They're just, they just—they brought us in because their focus was technology, right? They had paralegals at, you know, $55 an hour, is in, is in New York, uh, $55 an hour. And I, I, we were just able to show, look, if you let, let us automate, bring in a lot of these pieces, we were able to cut, you know, like, I mean, I think our, our charge for them was like six grand a month, something like that. And I mean, just in labor cost in the, in like the second month, they were saving 25 grand just because their people that shouldn't be doing a lot of this HR stuff we're getting rid of. So you do have to look at it from an operational process as well as kind of a strategic one. Um, thank
0: Rami, you. thank you so much. Uh, we had two processes today, the Shreveki as well as the people processes that can help your people and your organization's competitive edge in a varying degree, but both as I agree with, it's all about the greatest asset that a company has is people. And your company is a great way to take care of those people, to get the best people and to get the best performance out of those people, uh, to get to that profit that we all want within the context of our business. Your book is a top 10 leadership book. So if uh, you have a business around 50 employees or more, make sure you're reaching out uh, to Rami, the the peopleprocesses.com or popularfinancial.com. Rami, thanks so much. Come join us again. We appreciate your insight.
3: Thanks for your time. Have a good one. Thanks. Um, take care. Back to back.
0: Yeah, really well. And uh, COVID killed the show today. We had uh, two of our four guests uh, that uh, have tested positive and aren't feeling wow. uh, very well. So that gives us an opportunity to take a little bit more time as I have trading at 7 a.m. Pacific time. Yeah. Today, we're going to do a trading on taking yeah. <laughs> advantage of the sneeze, no, know, of the yeah. of the recession. Uh, so, uh, you know, my position is that we're already in a recession and people don't understand the markets. The market makers or the margins that are available as we have a downturn in so many different aspects of our economy. Uh, it's a great opportunity to make more money help more people and have more fun so i'm gonna do a training today on taking advantage of the recession you can reach out if you want to join us david at dmelzer.com or just get the replay or the exercises david at dmelzer.com mikey momola what's uh your takeaway for the day with these two extraordinary guests
2: yeah, I think the consistent theme was people, right? whether that's on a uh, an individual or a collective level. So so my takeaway really is the importance of and, and power of human connection. And that applies, you know, on an individual level, like we talked about with some of you know, chasing success identifying what our strengths and weaknesses are within ourselves, finding people like I found you, Dave, that help us make ourselves better, and then implementing some technology for and through HR and our companies to help build. But it all comes back to to the power and profoundness of human connection.
0: Yeah, and I think that's uh, a great takeaway. And I think combined with that is my takeaway. So it's people and process. You know, I think all process and no people sucks, and all people and no process uh, sucks. You're not going to get the efficient, effective, statistical success that you need, the engagement that you need. And so there is a balance between uh, having that extraordinary asset of the right people, but also you have to empower them with a process uh, to allow them to pursue their potential. And yeah. so beyond the alliteration of all the Ps, we want the best people in the best process, and it's okay to ask for help to find people you know that have created over decades of situational knowledge, experience and relationship capital, but all the best process and the best capability of finding the best people in Trevetti And, uh, of course right. the people process, uh, are two great places, uh, to go in order to effectuate people and process. All right, my friend, uh, great to see you. Enjoy your weekend. Hopefully I'll see you at training, taking advantage of the recession. Was, that recession is yeah. going to hit Florida harder than, uh, I think anywhere else with the migration and the uh, inflation that uh, that place is experiencing, at least from my experience of 93, 99, and 2008, uh, I think there's going to be huge opportunities in Miami because of uh, where they're at. So if people want to take advantage, especially if you live in Florida, come and join us for trading, taking advantage of the recession. David at com, the incredible Double M, -M 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 Mike Mamola. Thanks for joining me.
2: Always a pleasure. Thank you. Happy Friday.
0: Peace. That's my boy, Eminem. He fits right in. He might as well be my fifth child. All my kids are Eminems, Mia, Marlena, Miles, and Marissa. I want to thank you and the surrogate son, Mikey, uh, in, on the mic today with us. Remember, 7 a.m. Pacific time, taking advantage of the recessions, uh, recession. Go ahead and email me, david at dmeltzer.com. Uh, looking forward uh, to that training. I've never done it before. So over 22 years of training, over 66,000 people registered. We are blessed, as my hat said. want to thank Matt for waking up early. want everyone who out there is not feeling well, may you be healed. You are happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. What are you doing to interfere with that? Be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do
1: good deeds. We'll see you at 7 a.m. Pacific. Thanks.